Hey guys, I'm Rob Palante and I am the host of Mindset Body Bank. Welcome to today's show. A lot of times you'll hear me talking about who trained the trainer. So it's who is the person that trained the person that you are learning from. That's such an important, important thing to understand. And it's definitely something that you should look into whenever you hire someone to be a mentor or a coach understand where their training came from well today you guys are going to get an opportunity to meet the person that i spend uh, an hour with on a weekly basis and i have since july he is known as the mind guy you can find him uh, at the mind guy official have a google mr kiran fox he is a neurospecialist he helps people understand their brain the stresses and the balance that you are required to get um, in order to be successful and he's been working with the likes of Nike athletes and the Cognetics Group um, which is a nootropics uh, company uh, and he has uh, uh, stumbled upon me and, and we've developed a great relationship so not only is he a fantastic coach not only does he help me understand about the things that I'm sharing with you guys in my program but he's a uh, he's an all-around great individual as well and we've actually formed a friendship that uh, that I, I'm hoping will last a long long time so tune in give it a like a share leave a comment I really appreciate it and I'm sure you're going to get uh, a ton of great information out of today's episode guys thanks for tuning in to mindset body bank Rob here your host and founder uh, I got a um, uh, a really special guest today. Not that that they're all special in their own way, but um, this one has um, uh, is is sort of the, the the brains behind the brain, if you will, uh, as we move forward. And um, he is uh, coming to us today from way way across the pond. Uh, are you in the UK or are you in Ireland today, Karen? Uh, in I'm over in Liverpool, so northwest in England at the moment. Northwest. I never know because he's traveling around between all those uh, all those uh, uh, countries over there. Originally from Ireland, correct, and now based in the UK. Karan Fox um, is somebody that I've gotten to know over the last, gosh, what since July, I guess. And we um, we created a, a relationship. He hunted me down online and uh, stalked me. No, that's not fair. Uh, we we created an online relationship, which uh, he provides uh, mind and brain coaching. And as I started to get and explore more of the science behind our feelings and the way we think, um, obviously I had to educate myself, and I um, stumbled across. Karan, who has uh, unbelievable knowledge, we spend a week together, or a week, <laughs> it seems like a week, we spend a, an hour together every week, and, um, and he brings me into light on really the, the neurology uh, and the science behind our brains and how we think. He's got an extensive experience in this field, works with Nike athletes, so um, I'm going to stop tooting your horn now and let you chime in. Welcome to Welcome to my podcast and thanks. You're on my dime today. I know it's it's uh, first of all thanks for having me on, Rob. And uh, secondly, it's nice to be on the other side. Usually, I'm the one asking the questions, even for myself and my own podcast. Uh, but it's nice being the being the interviewee, which is uh, a nice change, certainly. And I always think it's funny. My name is my my name is such a funny one, yeah. and I think I'm so used to it. So first of all, yeah, like I appreciate hey, Rob the effort saying my name, man. You did <laughs> you, you you do better than most. I'll tell well, you that. Okay. So. Phonetic, phonetically like k-e-y-r-o-n so kiron and it always gets it always i find it always gets messed up between kieran kiron Kora, like just all over my parents my parents did a great job so as much as i love them they gave, they, they, they gave me a very easy name to pronounce yeah uh, yes um a very very uh Beautiful introduction, I'll say the least, Rob. You've definitely uh, spoken a true game for myself, and uh, it's an absolute pleasure to uh, be on your podcast today, man. Well, uh, I'm I'm really glad because I'm I'm hoping that you're going to be able to share uh, some of that um, enlightenment with the young athletes and and help them understand really how important it is to you know even for a younger guy to to um, take some time to learn about why they think and do the things that they do. 
and, and I'll tell you guys my journey um, working with Karan over these uh, over these last few months um, has been unbelievable. The amount that I've learned and been able to apply and now look back on situations that have happened to me and go, ah, that's why. And so, um, so, so hopefully you're going to grab a lot of value and a few nuggets out of today's conversation. So with that, why don't you just kind of share where you're at? Um, let's, let's start at the, this end of your journey and then we'll back it up. So share, share a little bit about what you're up to these days. 100%. And uh, it's funny when I think for myself, uh, where I am now versus where I where, where I was before, there is definitely a lot more on my plate. And uh, at the moment, moving into the last few weeks of 2020, which is crazy, I feel like we've blipped this entire year. I'm focusing on a few different projects. Obviously, uh, I have my own master's program or consultancy service, which you are so happily proud of and part of as well, Rob. Um, and there's only a, a select few that I take on for that program because of the intimacy of it. Uh, the majority of my work is with currently making the first brain training program for and to complement a nootropic that is Cognetics, uh, which will be coming out in Jan, Feb of 2021, which is super exciting. Um, also working on broadening the 90 minute mind mastery club that I have, which came out not only less than three weeks ago, less than three weeks ago. And the whole aim and purpose of the 90 minute mind mastery club was basically we're in a massive time of uncertainty. And for myself, for the work that I've been doing, you know, I wrote a book on the whole stress and the whole process of stress in the brain and high performance and how it works and cognition. And a lot of the work that I've done throughout the year has been from business consulting and helping coaches scale their businesses online with my business partner, Danny. And I wanted to have a service that was intimate, that I could help people build routine, discipline, consistency, build certainty in a world full of stress and uncertainty. Besides that, I think I have... Oh, my head. I, I'm in between four or five projects, but they're the main three that comes to my head. Another one that has taken up a lot of my time this year, which I have a massive love for, is the Conscious Business Club, which I work in. And that's where myself and Danny, and, and, and Danny's almost this neuromarketer genius who was, an, was a physio and then uh, left physio, scaled his social platforms to over six. 700,000 online, which is crazy. Um, and we really used his business philosophy and my neurological background, joined them together to start creating and turning coaches from online coaches to conscious businessmen. So that's where I am right now, Rob. Uh, well, I can tell you guys, it's um, uh, being a part of his program. It, it's it, it's something that I look forward to every week, um, and and I believe and I and I hope he would uh, support. Karan would support this. This has gone from just a a teacher student relationship to a friendship, and I look forward to these conversations and and one day being able to um, to meet up somewhere and clink glasses, share a beer, and actually meet in person because uh, uh, Karan is a wonderful individual doing great things out there. Um, and, and his program for me has, has been able, uh, it's enabled me to be able to take a deeper dive as I'm, uh, and explore the, the true mindset and, and cognition as it relates to athletes. And, and so, you know, in doing so, uh, now we can, let's take a step back and, and you can help me and you can share where, where you developed your knowledge for this and why you're so good at what you do and the value that that, that can bring to people that are listening today. That's a, that's a great question, Rob. I think it all starts back from, if I take it all the way back and, and being sports related, like I think of the relationship between myself and my father, and I think of one where there was a lot of drive, there was a lot of always could do better. I remember being in the car and we would go through after games playing either football or rugby, and it would be like a, a post-game assessment. How do I do? What could I do better? Like what, what could I improve on? You know, like how did how did the game go for me? And getting that objective opinion. And that was from the get-go. And I never really realized the importance of those conversations and even me reflecting on it now. I, I look back in the significance of how that affected myself in the learning process as to me, not only as an athlete, but as, as an individual, both personally and professionally. And as that progressed moving forward, I think of my journey as, as a rugby player, I played to a pretty decent standard. We had players that went on, played professionally for some of the teams in Ireland, like Munster and, and, and Ulster as well, and Connacht. 
And from there, I really took that mentality into university where it was a difficult process for me. It was very difficult. I didn't get the grades. You know, I basically talked my way into the positions I got in because I was, I mean, I was relying on my social skills and you could only get so far because eventually you needed to put the work to paper. And I really struggled there. You know, I really did. I spent a lot of years failing, a lot of years um, delving in and out of this learning process and understanding how I could improve. And it certainly wasn't straightforward. And when I think where I am now, where I teach how I teach people how to manage stress, how to understand the performance of their brain, understanding the cognition and thinking and all the intricacies in between, it comes back from all those failures and all those mess ups. And I think of something so specifically is in my last year where things, things really became significantly different for me. And I mean that more so in terms of um, the change. I went from someone who failed to someone who now suddenly embraced success a lot. And there were reasons for that, that, it, that I didn't realize. To give you context, yeah, I failed my last placement in, in university in neurology, funnily enough, the area I'm a specialist in. After seven weeks in there, I, I, my, my educator at the time said, you know, and the conversation definitely went a lot less PG than I'll phrase it now. <laughs> and, and basically said that, you know, you're like, you failed, you're done. Like you, you, you can't pass, you're done. Like it, the year's over for you. And for me and for any of you guys and anyone listening, understanding that university is definitely not a cheap place to go to. Uh, I thought I'd messed up the whole journey for my parents. You know, they worked very hard to get me to where they were. Um, I was very lucky to be in the position I was in studying occupational therapy at the time. And I thought I'd messed the whole thing up. Turned that around then a month afterwards uh, in January, I managed to get all A's throughout the whole year. I managed to do another two placements, which I absolutely aced as well. And from that momentum, from all of those failures that led with me for years, I realized that the difference now with a lot of the successes and where I am came from those conversations in the car with my father, where it would be, how can I embrace an objective perspective on my own performance? So when we're relating to sport, the significance and understanding of, I don't have the best opinion on my own performance and identifying and finding someone, whoever it is, which really, really helped me personally, give you that objective perspective and almost be in your head constantly. Because I think, and I relate that moment in sport to my times in university. And typically I should not have excelled in those moments where I, I was told I failed, I failed, I failed, the human being as we are rejects, avoids, goes in and I'm, abuse substance, fail, like give up uni, it's not for me, yada, yada, fall into the typical tendency of what we do as human beings, but I didn't. And the significant difference there was that I had a different conversation in my head that had been planted years and years before. And I take that conversation as to where I am now, and that has very much led me as to where I am in terms of how I perform what I work towards, and now me working not only in, a, I don't work in a hospital anymore, I work independently as, as, as an entrepreneur online. It, it's, it's really interesting. And I think that there's a lot of, um, uh, I'm glad you shared that story, first of all, thank you. And I think that it, it adds a little bit of context to who you are today. And I, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners, young athletes, and it doesn't matter what, what the sport is, but that idea of, you know, riding with your father home after a game, you know, I can relate to that totally. Um, and, and my dad was the same thing. And, you know, he was a hockey player as well. So he was able to give me some insight that, um, that, you know, perhaps other parents who hadn't played the game might not understand. Um, and, and I think I would say that we're both very fortunate to have parents that took an interest and were, um, um, providing us with that alternative um, coaching in, you know, that would allow us to think about what actions we had just taken on the ice and how we might be able to improve on it. But I also know that there's a lot of kids whose parents are living vicariously through them, through their sport. And especially here in North America and, and particularly Canada, hockey is a very, very popular sport. And, and I'll use that as my example because it's what I know and where I, where I came from, what I'm coming back into. And, you know, not that I don't work with other athletes, but in particular. And I know that there's a lot of young, young players out there that are very talented, that are riding home with parents who are, who are expecting from them a lot more and not communicating properly in that car ride home, how to go about achieving that, you know? So, so and, and then you add into that the word failure 
and failing. And, um, and then you couple that with, you know, this conversation that the parent might be having and the tone of voice and how they're speaking to their, their, their kid, it, you know, it's a lot of pressure to live up to somebody else's standard. And, and as I said, at the beginning of this, you know, um, we're, I think we're both blessed that we had parents that, that approached it, you know, in a civil manner, what, what advice would you give to these young athletes that are pursuing this dream? that have the talent, but are, you know, are faced with this conversation from a family member that is telling them um, that they're failing and perhaps contradicting what they're feeling in their head. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is take it with a pinch of salt. Like we have to consider, again, I always bring it back to our brain with how things work and work my way out from there. I need to consider who's speaking to me right now. And if it's going to be a family member, I need to realize that I'm going to hope for the majority of case that they have my best interest at heart. And if that person has my best interest at heart, well, I know that whatever opinion they give me now is somewhat biased. So they might be saying that I'm massively being a failure in whatever sport that I'm doing or my training, but I'm going to hope it's coming from a place of love. But unfortunately, that might not be an accurate point of view. And just because I'm failing now, doesn't mean that I won't be succeeding in the future. And from their point of view, they want to see you, again, if we think in terms of the parent and in terms of that father figure, they want to see you happy. They don't want you to see you under stress. They don't want to see you upset. They don't want to see you crying or you know, not, not even wanting to go back training. Like They want to give you the best advice they think is best for you as a human being, but not necessarily what's best for you in terms of your goals. So we need to understand and appreciate that parents, full stop, as much as I love the parents I have, they're biased in thinking a certain way about me. So I need to take that with a pinch of salt. And if I can, can I find anyone else in my life? And, and, and if I can't, can I find a podcast, even something like this? Can I find something on YouTube? Can I find someone on social media that I respect and that I, I respect their opinion that can give me that objective fatherly opinion? So this is where I separate it between two is that our parents are subjective. And when I say subjectively drawn in, they're drawn in by their feelings. So whatever opinion they give me, it's very feeling-based, which I appreciate the passion, but the accuracy is going to be flawed. So if I can couple that conversation, which is super vital, if you have an awesome parent that's willing to give you the time and the advice 100%, also take that pinch, pinch of salt and try and find that objective perspective. Try and find that perspective that is looking specifically at what you've done. If it's a coach in terms of whatever sport you're playing, they're going to give you an accurate answer because they care about your performance, not just you being a person. And as amazing as that is from a parent, it's good to have, and it's essential to have that objective perspective as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a great advice. And, you know, I know that there, and I've heard stories and, and, you know, I'm sure it's the same uh, over there with, with any sport where there are some kids that dread that ride home after a bad game because they know that they're going to take a tongue lashing from their parent, their father, whatever that, whoever that, that guardian figure might be at that particular moment. Um, and it's interesting. Um, and it just goes to show. So I was, I had a, uh, another friend of mine on who coaches at the NHL level, the highest level of hockey in, in North America um, and, you know, arguably the world. And, and he, he made a comment which kind of really hit home and, and it, it, it parallels what you just said about, understanding where the coach and or that parent is coming from and it's and his comment was don't ever think that a coach even though he may you may disagree with his decision he doesn't wake up in the morning thinking he's out to get you and neither would your parents right so even though the way they communicate that message to you may not agree with you personally uh, or how you're receiving it understand and know guys that and what Karen is telling you on the on the neurological side is that you know go go to a place that says this is they mean well they love you they want you to succeed and and take that nugget that grain of salt and use that and apply it to that that conversation so that you don't put yourself into um, a downward spiral of thinking about negative thoughts, which might include failure um, or how valuable you are as a person and, and not take those things personally. And, and so coming from, from um, 
Karan's experiences and uh, and the coach that you'll eventually hear on on the podcast as well. Um, there's and and they don't know each other and they're from different parts of the world. So so it just shows the consistency in the message that um, that 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 I'm trying to share and um, and that the coaches are are bringing to the table. So it's a great perspective. Um, you you spent a little bit of time working in hospitals um, and with um, with you know different different types of patients. Maybe share a little bit about about that and those experiences and what they taught you. Um, and how that could relate to, you know, to what you're doing today and to, to some of the listeners. Uh, again, another fantastic, fantastic question, Rob. And when I think of my time working in hospital, to give you a bit of context, when I was in university, I worked in multiple different areas. I worked in a lot of mental health, both inpatients. So I worked in locked wards with schizophrenics, with a lot of people who had uh, like bipolar, who were very acute, very, very unwell, a lot of self-harm, a lot of... Um, a lot of very unwell people because of a lot of reasons. I, I've also worked in outpatient areas. So I've worked in the likes of orthopedics. I've worked in outpatient mental health. And for the, my final few placements, I worked in the community and then I worked in neurology. And it was neurology where I found my love. Although it was a love-hate relationship at the start and I failed, um, there was it's almost when you tell a child that they can't have something and suddenly I wanted it very badly. And that was the case, regardless of if I was aware of that or not. I finished university and I was like, I knew I needed to do neurology. Neurology is what I needed to do. So as I went into my first few years working, of course, you have to work in a few different areas as a junior before you get get your stripes, you know, choose where you want to go and specialize in. And after working in medical, the medical field, the surgical field, and finally then getting my first neurological placement I went in as a junior working in stroke and and it was phenomenal it was it was fascinating and what and what I love most about the hospital was getting to work with people who genuinely need your help is is a very very different connection to working with anyone in terms of the performance realm so sports or you know high performance for myself in business or brain because you're working with someone who genuinely needs your help like they can't they can't help themselves you know which is a lot of the case for other people too but when we're talking about brain injuries and stroke where for example someone from the age of their 20s up to their 70s or 80s or 90s suddenly loses half the function of their body their brain suddenly isn't doing what they want they can't speak they can't maybe they can't understand language suddenly their personality is a bit thwarted maybe their vision is gone like these are significant impacts on someone and for the majority of case i'm not going to paint a nice picture because it's an honest picture a lot of people die and that was a conversation that was that it was a daily conversation for me the idea of getting people from a place where they couldn't function mentally and cognitive wise and i'd work on their functional capabilities again getting them washing and dressing and doing simple tasks and thinking tasks to get them back into the world again or for rehab there was the other conversation where people didn't survive and there was a lot of significance as to how that impacted me because I knew that the work I wanted to do I wanted to continue those those serious conversations because I knew in those serious conversations you could get massive massive change out of people and when I see myself when I worked as a specialist I worked part-time as a specialist while I was working on my online business before I went full-time online and I specialized in stroke specifically and I had brain injuries. I had a brain injury placement as well. I love brain injuries, but the opportunity came up for me to work as a senior in stroke. So I took it. And a lot of the conversation where it was very serious, it was, you're not typical sexy conversations. There's some really brutal and horrible stories that I could go through, um, but, 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 I'll, but I'll spare you. But that's the honesty of life. You know, yeah. the, the honesty in the hospital, as you know yourself from your own experience in hospital as well, Rob, as we've talked about before, it's, it's horrible, you know, like the conversations and the experiences people go through, they don't want to go through them again. And for myself, I realized when I made that transition, leaving the likes of, and this is interesting, most people leave a job they hate to go towards a job they love. Now, I'll tell you this first, full stop. Yeah. I left a job I could, I could have stayed in for the rest of my life loving and, and fulfilled but I left it to find a job that I wanted to create myself because I knew there was more I could do because the constraints of working in a system for sure. the skills and, and capacity that I had to give for people, it was limited. 
Yeah. Unfortunately, I had to leave. I, I, I didn't want to leave, but I had to leave because I knew I would have been limiting myself otherwise. Yeah. And how that now affects me as a coach, as a brain coach, a high performance coach, however you want to call it. Um, I know now the significance of my role because I've got a different perspective. And because I've got a different perspective, that's very unique. I was a therapist and now I'm a coach and, and, and a mentor. I, I know that I'm willing to have those conversations that most people won't have. So I'm willing to get into the darker side of your performance. I'm willing to get into the story that makes you feel uncomfortable. I'm willing to make you feel uncomfortable because, because I know that I can draw the best out of you. And, and for anyone that can hold that space emotionally for like, like I, like I've done multiple times when I worked professionally as a therapist, being able to hold that space as a coach is so important because I know if I can delve deep and dark with you and talk about things that, and potential traumas that have affected you and affect your performance, whether you're consciously aware or not, I know I can make you a, a superhuman. I know I can bring the best out of you. And unfortunately that's not a sexy conversation, but if you want to get to where you want to go, it's having that serious conversation is how we get there. It, that's, it's very interesting. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are, that might be listening saying, you know, how, how does that affect me as an athlete? How are you going to get, how are you going to improve my performance um, uh, by, by going deep? And, and I don't know if I'm comfortable sharing that, you know, so, so maybe let's, let's dive into that. And, and this is a setup question because I know the answer because I've had the opportunity to, to go through this. Um, and you guys might hear me a lot talk about you have to move to uncomfortable places if you want to experience growth. So you're going to hear firsthand now how and why as an athlete, you have to be able to allow yourself to be vulnerable and go to these places um, and open up and share them. So if you want to jump into that one, uh, Karan, that would be great. 100%. And to give a bit of context to this, for you to, as Rob, as, as you so, so well said, for you to get to a place you've never got to, you need to understand and do things that you've never done before. And a lot of that doesn't come from the actions you do in training with your coaches. It comes from the conversations you're having with yourself. And more so than the 5% of that conversation and performance that you have when you're on the sports field or when you're on the ice rink, whatever that is, that's only 5% of the conversation. What are you doing 95% of the time? What are you doing when you're at home? What are you doing and what practices are you following? Are you doing any practices at all? When you're on the pitch or when you're on the ice rink, when you're doing your hour or two hours training during the week, is that your training done? Because if you want to be a high-performing athlete, that's only the beginning. That is the, that is the baseline foundation. Well done, you're here. You're participating. Like, like th th that's the first door in, in 100 different doors that you have to take. So when I talk about this and I bring it back, we need to get comfortable doing more uncomfortable things. And this is in the 95% of when you're out of your sport, when you're at home, when you're getting up in the morning, when you're waking up throughout the day, when you're planning your day and organizing your day, when you're going to bed at night and your routine. Why? Because your brain, your performance, your high-performance brain doesn't just perform in that 5%. It performs 100%. But you're only consciously aware as an athlete of that 5%. I think of myself when I was an athlete playing rugby. I only did the work, the 5% work. Do my training, show up on game day, and, and see how it goes. And I was, a, I was a slightly above average athlete, but I could have been a lot better. And if I had my knowledge now, uh, much to your own opinion as well, Rob, I would have been a phenomenal player. I would be amazing. And I bring that back. And in terms of me working as a therapist and my conversation of how to improve people, I'll give you an example. I spent my whole time getting people from suboptimal to a functional level, understanding how their brain worked and adapting how they do things or adapting the environment around them. I realized they could re-engineer that whole process the opposite way around to get people from a functional level to a high-performing and optimal level. Why? Because if we adapt and change the routines and structures and practices of what we do in that 95% window, which is 23 hours of the day, when it comes to that one hour of performance, you will be a super high performer. Why? Because we've understood practices of how to create calm, of how to create presence, of how to build on attention. And how do we do this? Well, it's not just sitting, reading a book or watching YouTube or saying that you're going to do something on game day. You, like, you need to take ownership of this stuff. Like you, you, you need to step up and appreciate that it's going to be a little difficult. So what does that mean? Well, in the conversation of stress, 
we need to turn this into a conversation of uncertainty. And anything that makes you feel uncertain in terms of your day, your daily routine, your morning routine, your night routine, and anything that makes you uncertain throughout the whole day, understand that if there is uncertainty in your 95%, there is going to be a lot of subconscious uncertainty in that 5% where you need to perform. So how do we accelerate? Well, again, I, what I did when I worked as a therapist, I just re-engineered that process. I mean, I spent three, four years. I read a lot of books. I wrote a book on this conversation and I made this my coaching philosophy. You do the practices that agree with your brain, meditation, journaling, cold showers, and a lot more. When we bring this into the conversation of that 5% where you need to perform as an athlete, I guarantee you, this is not an opinion. This is how your brain works. You will be a very high-performing individual and you will stand out significantly every single time. Why? Because you're doing the work of the 95% where 95% of the people will not do. So that's, uh, I'm going to just stop right there. I'm going to uh, ask anybody listening. You're probably going to want to go back and rewind that last two or three minutes um, and listen to that again. There is so much valuable information. And that really truly is the basis for um, the, the, the program and the project that I bring forward there. And it's changing our habits. And, and I, I think that there's so many um, uh, um, incredible pieces of information that, that we could pull out of that. Understanding, though, in a, in a, in a real high-level synopsis of, of what Karan just said, is that you're only spending 5% of your time when you're at practice or in a game telling yourself that you're giving 100%. And you want, if you're, if you're listening to this, I'm assuming it's because you you're looking for tidbits to become 1% better every day. And, and I, I preach this over and over that we have to change our habits and we have to change our routines. And that's not how you switch your mind when you get in the car on the way to the game, but it's how do you prepare? And you, and you, and I'm just re reiterating what Karan said, how you prepare the night before what you do, what your routine looks like in the morning, what you're thinking about through the day, how you're filling your time. And, and all of that will lead into uh, habits and practices that will take you to another level. But you, it starts out consciously. You have to consciously make these changes and they're not going to feel normal and they're going to be uncomfortable. I can tell you jumping in a cold shower, no matter how many times you do it, it sucks. But you train your mind to overcome it and doing that over and over. And, and Karan can admit to it was, I started doing cold showers when I started this program with him and I hated them. And I, I'm not going to say I love them, but I take them every day. And I look forward to not the cold shower, but the feeling after the cold shower, that revival, that, that, um, that, that, that rush of energy, that, that exuberance now, that feeling of, of um, being alive again and being able to focus and become more aware. And, and, and it, it sucks that three or four minutes that the water's cold, but being able to change that routine is so important. So, so listen to that this segment again, guys. Go back um, and, and take out a pen and paper. Stop, write some things down. There was a lot of valuable information there. Um, I talk about being able to take you and work with you to become that in that top 3%. Well, what do you think the Michael Jordans and the Sidney Crosby's and, and, you know, the Dwayne Wade's and all of the top athletes in their sports. And I'm not talking just the guys that get there, but if your dream and your vision is to become the best of the best, you have to go and do things that the rest don't do. And that's, what are you doing with that other 95% of your time? So that was awesome. Um, I, you know, that was a great, great bit of I appreciate that really was. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go back. Obviously I listened to these things again, but, um, and, and I've had the benefit of, of working with you for, for a few months now, but you, you continually bring, um, uh, great information to, to the table and that there's so many valuable points in there. So, so here's a question I have, because as you're going through this process, working with patients, um, you, you know, and especially as you relate it back to your, you know, your, your time spent in hospital and, and working with stroke patients and, or, or brain patients and, and having to deal with the, the dark side of that is where you might lose a patient. 
you know, obviously there's, there's a point where, you know, there, there becomes some kind of attachment. Um, you know, how did you put into practice the things that you were teaching? It's, again, you're killing me with all these questions, Ralph. They're fantastic. And it's, it's even interesting for myself reflecting on this. And I'll be completely transparent. When I made the decision to leave the hospital, which was only a few months ago. Yeah, I remember. It was, it was, it was as if I had lost a family member. I'm not going to lie. I remember coming back after making the decision to hand in my notice. I had to work an extra two months afterwards once I'd handed in my notice. I remember I came back my other half. Uh, I was making food for Jess and... Um, I, I, I sat there for probably an hour and a half and just sat there and cried, felt all the emotions. I couldn't believe, like, it was interesting for myself as well, because it was at a time where a lot of the patients, again, remembering now the time that I was working in, it was the high, uh, the heightened time of COVID yes. and a very, very difficult time for healthcare workers where a lot of the patients not only had comorbidities of whatever they're coming in for a stroke or brain injuries, whatever. Now you had COVID that was ruining lives as well. And there was a lot, there was a lot of people that passed away. It was a really, really horrible time. And for a few of my patients that I had rehabbed for months and months, there were some really, really sad outcomes that I think, I think broke a part of me. I would say, I think I was ready to leave. I was so sad at how we could only do so much in terms of the system that we have in terms of hospital. And I knew that there was more I could do, but I was limited to the system that we have. I felt as much as I didn't want to leave, I had just as much drive to leave. And the stories and the patients I'd worked with, I mean, I think they really fueled the emotion I had. I was really sad for them and their outcomes. And it really propelled me moving forward. Now I bring this back. That was the context. How did I manage that situation? It had, to, it had to be my practices. I would not have managed otherwise. It would be very difficult. I would have been very irrational. You think of yourself as an athlete going through any difficulties of your own, or if they're personal with family or friends, relationships, or any of the above exams in school. Like we have a lot of shit as a human being and that doesn't change as we grow up. We just become stronger. There's the same thing where, you know, you're squatting a hundred kilos, like the hundred kilos doesn't become lighter. You just become stronger. It's the same with our mental game. So we need to put in the reps. We need to put in the work every day. And I'm, I'm going to say this out loud. I am no different to you or anyone else. I need to put in the fucking work every single day. Because if I don't, and I'll give you an example, when I don't do my work, I feel like I've never done any work at all. And I realize how much of a child I am at the game, which is amazing because it keeps me humble. So when I think of me, when I made that transition leaving hospital, I relied on the likes of my morning routine, making sure that I was using the cold as a teacher to guide and teach me and, and almost embrace this feeling of uncertainty that my body was having so that I could understand the situation a little bit more, keep myself calm, understand what my body does. Am I getting you know, panicked a little bit with my breathing? Am I getting a little bit sweaty? Am I getting a little bit of that conversation, that resistance in my head that we all get? And am I pushing through that? Well, yes, I was. Then I would go and maybe I would do some journaling Maybe I drink some water, I do some stretching, I plan out my day. And from there, I knew that I was starting with some wins. So then when I come to a big conversation of having to leave hospital, having to change job, having to manage with all the emotional difficulties and relating this to yourselves and anyone listening, you know, family, friends, exams, all these difficult things, we can't just expect to get over these things by closing our eyes to it or managing there's like managing is not enough like you need to take responsibility and ownership for this stuff like and and before you even do anything understand that anything that makes you feel uncomfortable will be as a result of your subconscious embracing that uncomfortable feeling for the last number of moments and years that you've had that feeling of uncomfortableness so if that person pisses you off and makes you feel uncomfortable or that coach pisses you off or you don't get that play or you miss that shot whatever it is there's a lot more to that story and you're only going to find out more to why you can't perform in those situations. Like for me, when I was making that transition and I was struggling by prioritizing your practices, because the more you understand your mind and the story that goes along with your mind, which is every, everything that you experience since you've been born, your brain doesn't unlearn things. You just find it difficult to extract these things, but subconsciously it, your, your brain almost your brain molds to the information that you give it that be the relationships the work that you do whatever 
And although we forget it, your brain, your brain is like the elephant that never forgets. It always stores this information and it chooses to bring up this information when certain things happen to us. So for myself, when I left hospital, I knew that there were certain things that were, were, that were being brought up. That feeling of potential abandonment or that feeling of not having that figure in my life anymore, that structure, that role, which is very similar to you know, that parent role that we have. Sure. And it was bringing up all these feelings, even when I relate it back to myself. When I left, I, I, like, I left home at a young age, I left at 18. Yeah. And I've been living away from home since I was 18 years old. Yeah. So, and I went to university in a different country in Scotland. So for myself, appreciating that me moving into something else in my own professional area was going to bring up feelings of when I was first leaving, I only had that awareness because I practiced my journaling. I practiced cold showers. I use meditation as a tool. I use the likes of focus training and different verbatim cues, different breathing cues. I mean, the list goes on of what we can do. But if I didn't do those things, I would have struggled even more. What a great answer. You know, again, guys, you're, you're getting so much information here in a short period of time. And you, and you, you, you wonder why I look forward to my calls uh, every week because it's they're like this and more. Um, and we, we take it to you're just getting it to the tip of the iceberg here. But again, so much great information. I made a couple of notes as you were talking there. And, um, and I want to be respectful of your time. We've got about 10 minutes before you got to jump off here. And I'm going to use every 10 minutes, uh, every second of that, if you don't mind. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. <laughs> um, so we, we you, you, you know, um, I, I just wanted to let you finish your, your, your um, explanation there, because there's so much value in that. Um, but you, you, you talk about COVID and how that's affecting people today. And I think that's, that's something we can all relate to. Um, we're all dealing with it, um, like it or not, doesn't matter what side of the, um, what side of the fence you're on. Um, we we got to figure this out. And uh, a lot of young athletes right now are, are sitting at home wondering, you know, um, when are we going to play again? You know, where can I go? When, when can I go and train? Where can I go and train? Do I have to wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? How close can I get to people? Um, you know, and then you follow that up throughout your conversation, your, your explanation with talking about putting in the reps and starting out with a win. Um, you know, all things that are so important that I continue to stress as well. And, and I think the biggest tip that you, you, you included or secret that you put in there, however you want to re refer to it is, is taking ownership taking ownership of yourself, your thoughts, your actions. Um, so, you know, if we could just kind of go back and, and touch on the, the COVID situation and how important it is to use some of this 95% of our time constructively putting in reps and how we start out with a win, how we can own it so that it, it creates a, a positive effect during these stress times 100 man and i think it all comes back to realizing something significant that we now live in a world that is completely different like the covid has changed the game full stop for anyone that is alive in this planet right now and if you're a high performer if you're an athlete if you're anyone that wants to achieve a goal at a high rate you need to understand that how you operated 12 months ago cannot be the same as how you operate now moving forward. The game is different. Like we live in a world of uncertainty. Like the whole conversation, the environment, when you get up out of bed in the morning, when you go outside, when you try and even talk to a friend, when you try and talk to a loved one, when you try and see a new family member, you're, you're, our, our baseline now is, oh, like, have they been tested? Like, am I going to get COVID? Like, what, what is the issue here? Where is the uncertainty? Uh, when I step out of bed in the morning, there is now, there's always uncertainty. And that, that, like, that's, that's regardless of the fact. But now the difference is everyone on the planet is conscious of the level of uncertainty. So now you, because we're all conscious of this uncertainty, we need to have practices to manage this uncertainty. Because if we don't, if we operate like we did before, well, you're going to struggle a lot. And you're going to find that your personal life is going to be affected. You're going to find your professional life has been affected. Exams, schools, every everything when it comes to then playing sports and really accelerating i'm sorry but if you're if you're not practicing and managing with your mind because the world we live in you will struggle a lot but there's a positive conversation to this as well 
because if you start to embrace the curiosity of your mind and appreciate that we live in a world of uncertainty now and forget about stress like stress is a dangerous word i can't control anything when i think that i'm stressed and even if you're listening right now and you don't think that you you are stressed i would question you right now and i want you to ask yourself what makes you feel uncertain because I guarantee you there's a lot of things that make you feel uncertain. And if you and if you have at least one to five things that make you feel uncertain, which is every single human being, then you are no exception to putting in the work every day. And if you struggle to put in work every day, then what I always say to a lot of my clients is more days on than off. You know, then then we'll start to create a neurological change. We'll start to create new neural baselines. We'll start to rewire the neurons, those brain cells that are the only cells in, in our whole body that's affected by a conscious experience, which is how we think, how we act, how we decide what we do. Well, yeah, you'll manage a lot better. But if we're not doing these practices, if we're not adapting our routines, then yes, we will struggle quite a lot. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I'm going to go back and, and when you when you when you talk about the word stress and how we're all feeling that right now, and then you challenge people to come up with something that they're stressed with. You know, one of the things that I've learned um, uh, working with Karan is is uh, about how many thoughts we have a day. You know, we have between you know twenty and sixty thousand thoughts a day, guys, and and eighty five percent of those thoughts are negative. And 95% of those are repetitive. So if you think you're not stressed, if you think that you're not thinking about negative things, science tells you, you are. And I think, you know, some of them might be subconscious. Some of them um, we're a little bit more aware of because our, our parasympathetic system will let us know that. Um, as Kiran had mentioned, you, you might get sweaty or anxious or, um, you know, as he likes to refer to, there's these little golden tickets that, we're, that, that, that you are able to identify with that will tell you you're stressed. Um, and, then, and then what do you recommend when we feel these things to be able to recenter ourselves? You talked about a couple of things. How would somebody who's listening quickly be able to say, okay, I, I recognize that. I know I'm stressed. How do I come back to center and eliminate these, these thoughts or at least put them aside and come back to a, a more comfortable place? It comes back to a conversation that I end up having a lot with a lot of my clients. And once we have this conversation, I know we're going a certain way. And for, for all, and I will say this like open-heartedly, Every client that I end up having this kind of conversation with becomes a high performer. That's regardless of, of the conversation. They become high performers because they understand and they're speaking the language of high performance now. And it comes back to that moment of me feeling uncertain, me feeling stressed and judging myself and me getting caught up in the negative chatter, which again happens to all of us because that's the way we're wired from a survival point of view. If I did not have that negative chatter, I wouldn't be trying to predict every situation to make sure that at least I, I survive. So don't, if you're having a negative, having any negative talk, first of all, and the most important thing is identifying that it's okay. It's okay that you're having negative talk right now. Like that's part of the game. That's, that's, um, that's a fallacy that every human being has to live by. It's, 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 it's negative talk is like the invisible tattoo you never realized you had because we all have it, all of us. And, and that tattoo is your brain. Your brain gives you negative chatter because it needs you to problem solve every day to survive in the most basic sense. So now that we've accepted that, well, now we've moved on to the next step and I've already said it. It's accepting. Accept that this is the situation. Accept that you've messed up. Accept that you're saying this. Accept that you've went down this rabbit hole and you've spent the last week being mean to your mother or mean to your other half or not performing when you've been playing you know, during the week, or you, you didn't live up to the player that you are on the pitch, whatever it is, accept that that's happened, accept where you are. And now take ownership of where you are to move forward. And that's where we can prioritize our practices. But it all starts with accepting the fact that you're a human being who has negative chatter, because we all do, and then taking ownership of that acceptance to move forward. That's some, that, that's some great advice there. And um, being respectful of time, um, I am going to, um, uh, God, I, we, you know, we, you know, we could, we could probably chat for another hour or two. I got so many things and we'll have to do this again. Uh, we'll be back for part two. We'll get back for part two for sure. So, uh, um, before you leave us, Mr. Fox, if you are a billboard 
on the road of life, what would your billboard say? And I was thinking about this when you asked me as well. And I was like, do you know what? I'm deliberately not going to think of something. I'm going to see how the conversation flows. And I'm going to see what makes sense to the podcast. And I think the, the, the one sentence I can stick on is whenever it comes to moments of uncertainty or learning, don't judge yourself. I love that. That's good. Yeah. Listen, I mean, I could say a hundred things more, I but know. I think concise and to the point don't judge yourself and sit in that statement you know in in the case of any learning don't judge yourself when you mess up sit in that statement reflect on it and you will learn a lot guys um you know today was just an incredible hour it flew by so fast uh being respectful of uh, of quran's time today i want to thank you uh this was awesome we are definitely going to do this again because there's so many more places we could take this conversation. You guys want to know where I get my information from? This is the man right here. Tell us where we can find you, where we can follow you quickly. And then uh, I know you got to jump. 100%. I appreciate that, Rob. And yes, it has been an absolutely fantastic time. I'm excited for our next podcast already. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the mind guy official T H E M I N D. Uh, G-U-I and then official. Um, you can get my website as well, mindguyofficial.com. Um, I'll also have a podcast that's coming out, which is going to be the Mind Guy Official podcast. And you can, I mean, if you type in Mind Guy Official on Google, I'm the, I, I've looked it up. I'm the only person on any of those pages. So go and have fun. I've done multiple podcasts. I work in multiple areas um, besides business, sports, with Nike, with the likes of Cognetics and Nootropics, uh, with the likes of business people, real estate, with ourselves here in athletes. I mean, you, 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 anything you're uncertain on, type in the Mind Guy Official and you'll find some answers to help you out. There you go, guys. An hour with the Mind Guy official, and we probably got about 12 more hours of, of uh, great uh, nuggets of information. Uh, stay tuned. Karan, thank you. I know you got to jump. Uh, awesome, as usual. Just full of, uh, full of information, and uh, I look forward to our next conversation. You have yourself a Absolutely. great day. Thanks, Rob. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well done. Amazing. And then I think awesome. yeah, I think you might be recording still and then you might be able to press. I can help. Well, how about that for an hour of loaded information? As I told you guys, every week I get an opportunity to spend an hour with this gentleman and uh, our conversations are, are nothing short of not um, uh, of interesting, knowledgeable. I mean, he has uh, done a fantastic job uh, sharing um, everything that he knows about the brain and neuroscience as it relates to athletes so that I can take that information and share it with you guys. Again, you can find Curran at The Mind Guy Official. Look him up. He's definitely worth it. Uh, and he is tied to some fantastic individuals. Um, appreciate his time today and hope you guys got something out of it. Again, please like, share, um, spread the word. And I continue and I promise to continue to bring fantastic guests like Karan onto my show. Have a great day. And uh, remember, go all in.